Hello and welcome to episode number 46 of the Hobbies and Happiness podcast, where we talk all about the hobby that makes us happy, tabletop gaming. I'm one of your hosts, Dan. And I'm Jim. And today we're talking about why net decking is the correct play. All righty then. So today we're talking all about net decking. Um, all righty then. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Carrey's been in the news actually recently too, um, but but uh, yeah. So net decking, net decking is what we're talking about today. So we kind of started this conversation mm-hmm. a couple episodes ago when we talked about Marvel Champions. Um, so you know, in that episode, I even said I'm like net decking is going to be an episode unto its own, <laughs> and so we're finally talking about it today. Um, but before we get into it, hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Um, we've, uh, we've been doing, we've been doing the podcast uh, around about a year now. So, uh, yay. Woo. Happy birthday. <laughs> so feel, um, feels good. Feels, feels great to be doing this. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the podcast. I'm, I'm enjoying doing it. Um, I'm hoping you guys are enjoying listening to it. You having fun, Jim? Yeah. Yeah. At first I was like, I don't really understand these because I never like listen to podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, yeah, this is enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just get to talk about a random thing. Yeah. So thank you for thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And honestly, we couldn't do it without without you, the listeners. So thank you for that. And if you could, if you are listening to us on any uh podcasting platform, if you could do us a huge favor, give us a five star r- rating and leave us a review. Um, we greatly appreciate that. That way we can reach more people with this content you know what if you know another card gamer or another tabletop game player share the podcast with them um get them in on what you are enjoying listening to um so with that we're going to jump right into today's topic net decking so net decking if you're a card game player i feel like for me since i've been playing card games the term net decking has like always kind of been a pariah almost Mm um and unnecessarily and i and i felt like this i've always felt like this Mm -hmm. i've always felt it's unnecessarily a pariah um and it's a negative thing within certain parts of the card game community um and we're we're gonna get into it now so like i said we did we did touch on this when we were talking about marvel champions but it definitely should be noted that marvel champions is a co-op it's a co-op game so when we talk net decking, um, yeah, we can talk about it in in the co-op game sense, like like you talk LCGs, but it, it they're really different conversations, right? When mm-hmm. you talk a co-op format or genre versus a competitive one, um, they're very different concepts, and we'll kind of get into it here. Um, we're mostly going to be talking about. Uh, this topic from the standpoint of a competitive environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are definitely still applications and even some of the points that we're going to make um, for the co-op and LCG or expandable game formats. Um, so I wanted to, to mention that. So first off, what we need to do is we need we need to define our terms. So what is net decking? Jim, what's net decking? Yeah, it's... Um it's been a term now for like years. 20 years yeah, it's probably been a term for a while. and uh, it's when you're pretty much going online and searching for a deck list mm-hmm. to play mm-hmm. um, 
and we we were talking about this before. We're like we're we're trying to we were trying to nail down yeah. when the term was coined. Yeah, <laughs> um, I have no idea. And and we're, we're going to get into the history here, um, but we don't really know. <laughs> we don't know when. <laughs> When it was termed or who it was coined by, yeah. if you have any of that information, definitely share it with us because mm-hmm. I'm very interested to know. Um, so it's gener- So Jim hit the nail on the head. Um, if you look up any definitions, what you're going to find is anything that essentially says it's generally defined as the practice of copying another player's deck card for card. So again, any card game, you're going to have net decking right so um so there's there's a multitude of articles that i've found on the topic and honestly if you do any search for net decking you will find so many different articles some good some bad and then everything in between right so there's one paragraph that i found um that i wanted to share with you this comes from dot uh, esports.com they were talking this is written this was written in 2014 and they and the application in that article was for hearthstone yep. all right so what they say here is they say the term net decking was popularized sometime after it was common practice to post tournament winning deck lists on the internet thus enabling a player to copy a deck from the net the term is often used in a derogatory manner to imply a lack of creativity or innovation. Many of you are likely unfamiliar with the stigmas of net decking, but for those who've been embroiled in the debate before, let's get one thing straight. Net decking is a good thing. <laughs> so I, I use that paragraph because I agree with that last statement. Yeah. Net decking is a good thing. And I'm also interested too, and we're, we're going to get into, again, the history and how it relates to magic being legitimately the earliest um, competitive card game, uh, trading mm-hmm. card game, okay? But this article was written in reference to Hearthstone, which, again, owes basically its successes to magic, mm-hmm. right? And so... <laughs> Um, I, I learned I learned something new in in looking and um, doing research for this, and I'm super glad I did. Um, but talking about relating net decking to Hearthstone and then finding out what happened with Magic, <laughs> it's insane. Because like they say, the term net decking was popularized sometimes after it was common practice to post tournament winning decklists on the internet. Was it though? Like honestly, was it? Because when this article was written, that practice was commonplace 10 10 years ago yeah 10 years before that article was written it was commonplace to post mm-hmm. the deck lists on the internet so and and that in that time period that those 10 years prior i mean the, the they weren't using i don't think they were using the term net decking they were using a different term <laughs> uh so that's yeah i mean if we're talking like so, but 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 what I'm what I'm saying is, I think whoever wrote this article mm-hmm. pulled that out of thin air hmm. because they didn't reference anything. Yeah, they made they made an assumption, which, I mean, you're gonna make when 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 doing this type of content, you're gonna make some assumptions if you can't mm-hmm. find any hard evidence yeah. to support your claim one way or another. And I think that's what happened here. Because he didn't have any hard evidence of when. Because again, like like we were saying, we couldn't find. Yeah, I mean, it's we, nearly impossible. Right. Well, I wouldn't say it's impossible. Um, I'm more so saying to find out like 
when was the first day anyone ever used the term net decking? Well, so typically, so typically when it comes to um, terms like this, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, there a lot of the times they're generally credited to someone. Like there's someone in a relative prominence within said community mm-hmm. used the term enough and really started making that term popular within that yeah. community. Right. So I am guessing that's what happened here. I have no clue because again, like we said, we we don't know. Yeah. Um I mean, and with this being in 2014, I knew net decking was a thing back in 07. So right. seven years prior. Right. That's to what this. I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is I mean, the the statement of the term was popularized popularized sometime after it was common practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, that can mean any number of things, right? Sometime after that could be 20 years after, you know, <laughs> so it's <laughs> extremely broad. But yeah. I, I, I only I only say that just to, for me, just to chuckle a little bit, yeah. because to me, I'm like, oh, you mean in other words, you have no clue. Like, and that's fine. Like, that's sometime, OK. Sometime around 80, uh, 98 to 2000 before 2014. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like for me, it's like I'm just very interested in anything and everything. Um, And so for this, I'd be very interested to know when did that term really rise in prominence and like when did when did we start using the term? That's that that's that's what I want to know. Um, There is actually a, a I think it's a database on on Google where you can track like put in a keyword and it'll tell you like at years of when something yeah. really started. Why didn't I look into that? Yeah, I don't know. Oh man, all right, soon. Well, yeah, we'll we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to find that. Yeah, that's yeah, you're you're right. Um, yeah, because like it, it it goes into archives of basically yeah. the internet, yeah. right? And then yeah, we'll have to look into that. That's that's <laughs> that's, that's that's interesting. Yeah. So okay, so for me. So I, what I have written down here <laughs> is really popularized when Hearthstone got huge. Mm-hmm. That's for me, right? Yeah. Because that's that's 100% a personal anecdote. Yeah. Because for me, when I started getting into card gaming was when Hearthstone was relatively big and popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still popular. I mean, it's so big. Um, but when that was the first that was the first card game that I got into. Um because quasi competitively, yeah. <laughs> like I wanted to do better and learn the game. Mm-hmm. So I was doing, you know, what you do when you're trying to get better at something you research and you net deck and all, all of those things. Yeah. Um, like, like I remember, I remember finding all of these sites. There were so many different sites that you could go to, to find deck lists, to find strategy content, to find articles, um, I mean, I, I remember when I came across, uh, I mean, it all makes sense to me now because I, like, I've been in, in the community for a long time and I know what I'm looking at. Um, like archetypes. Mm-hmm. I, I saw this one thing that said Zulok. I'm like, what the heck is that? Cause I'm trying to find, cause I'm trying to find like, what are these different archetypes? Like, I didn't even know what the term archetypes meant mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and these different strategies, um, because. And and you know, like it's it's different from game to game, yeah. right? But the the core strategies are very closely related from game to game. Control, yeah. aggression, mid range, tempo, um, yes, aggro. Whatever. So they're 
when, when you go back to the fundamentals, they're mm-hmm. they're all essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. But how how they get applied in each game is very different. Yeah. So when I saw Zulok, I'm like, what in the world? What the <laughs> heck is that? Well, it's simple. Zoo meant uh, it's creature based and all yeah. creatures. Right. And then Lock was it was the warlock was yeah. the character that you're playing. So I'm like, oh, when I figured that, I'm like, oh, okay, this makes sense. <laughs> and then and then when I started seeing the names of the decks and the and the strategy and the archetypes, I'm like, oh. You just pick like two of the most popular cards within the deck, and then you just smash them together. Boom! There's your deck name. Essentially, is how it worked, <laughs> and it's essentially kind of still how it works. Essentially, pretty much. Yeah, pretty I mean, much. Amulet Titan. <laughs> I mean, prime, uh, uh, primal. Goodness gracious, primeval Titan. Yeah, and then uh, Amulet of Vigor. There we go. Yeah. Goodness gracious, burn. Um, well, yeah, but burn. <laughs> Burn is one. Burn is one of those like, is that's like a universal fundamental. You're just trying to deal direct damage to your opponent. It used to not be called burn. I found out. Really? Yeah, yeah. They were just calling it like red beats, and then it turned into wow. red deck wins. Yeah, because it was it was a lot more creature based. Yeah, and then they started throwing in the the direct damage spells as well. And then it just turned into burn. Which now, now if you say burn, mm-hmm. it me it essentially means direct damage to yeah. your opponent. Yeah. And a lot of those, again, like in Magic, a lot of those spells are like fireball, firebolt, th- thunder, thunder, thunderbolt, whatever, thunderstrike. There's yeah. so many different ones, yeah. but it's it's dealing direct damage to your opponent, and that's what burn is. Mm-hmm. Um, creature based aggression is 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 a different thing altogether. Yep. Um, now again now. Um, so now it's called prowess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, okay. So before before we move in, before we move on, there I, I do also want to mention one other one other thing here. So in that in that Marvel Champions episode, um when we when we started talking about net decking, mm-hmm. I conflated net decking with pre-constructed deck lists. Yeah. Okay. Um now at the time in in that episode, the application made sense. <laughs> it, it made sense for the application, okay? But there is a distinct difference between net decking and taking a pre-constructed list, okay? Now, they're very similar, right? They're very similar from the standpoint mm-hmm. of you have a list, you, you have an existing idea. Somebody has come up with this idea already, okay, for one way or another, and then you are just putting it together card for card, yep. okay? Um, so, so this is me saying like I can see the argument for them being the same thing, mm-hmm. being net decking and pre-constructed lists. Now, for our purposes for this episode, and and honestly in general, they're they're very different. They're very separate things. Um, but again, I, I I can see where. Um, again, like in that episode where I was conflating the two and talking as if they were the same thing, because they are from the same point of, like I said, you've got that idea. Someone's coming up with that idea and you are just essentially copying it and putting it together for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing is pre-constructed lists generally, again, since we're talking about a competitive environment here, you never take pre-constructed lists into a competitive environment. You don't. So from that aspect, very, very, very different things. Um, what, what do you think, Jim? 
I uh, want to know what you think. Yeah, I mean, like, even when we were talking about it before, I'm like, uh, pre-context isn't really net decking is, was my whole view on it. I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, I understand what you're saying, but again, net decking tends to be more competitive thing. Right. Um, and so there is a, another card game called Vanguard, Card mm-hmm. Fight Vanguard. Mm-hmm. Um, they released a legendary deck, right, mm-hmm. that was just purely... A pre-con list, okay. right? Okay, all right. There were people that took two of these, mashed together a deck, and were, like, top 80 tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculously strong. And, uh, yeah, people funny. people were destroying people with essentially a pre-con list mm-hmm. and just, you know, very limited cards. They were like, all right, well, these cards are bad, and I want to finish the play set of this one card. Right. So then, like, you took out the bad cards, put in the good cards from the other from list. From the other list, yeah. Or from, yeah, the other, the other starter set, deck. Because right. they only give you, like, two of each card. Right. So right. that's why they picked up two mm-hmm. and then essentially put them together yeah. and was just destroying tournaments with mm-hmm. these. Yeah. It's hilarious. That- but <laughs> other than that, I can't think of another pre-con list that was, like, really good. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I guess maybe some Pokemon decks. Pokemon deck ones right now are really good. Yeah. Yeah. And they, because they come out with a lot. They Mm -hmm. come out with a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, pre cons. And it's very interesting. Like, we talk Pokemon. In Pokemon uh, TCG Online, Mm -hmm. they have a a format that is theme decks. Yeah. So it's essentially all pre con lists, pre con decks Mm -hmm. are being pit against each other. You don't get to change them up at all. Yeah. So, like, that's cool. Like, the fact that a game has that format available mm-hmm. for you to play, mm-hmm. super sick, super sweet. That really gets you into the game yeah. very, for very sure. easily. Um, now, real quick, so you, you you mentioned Top 8. I don't know if you know this, um, but where did where did it come from where Top 8-ing, being in the Top 8 of a tournament, was like, that was a sign that you were, like, a really good, I don't know if it was a sign you're a really good player, but like, where did the prestige come from being in the top eight? I think that's when a lot of places you start to get prizing. So, oh, yeah. okay, okay. It, it also tends to be like top 16 as well, top 16, top eight. So, okay, yeah, pretty like, much just for prizing for me because I come from like my background is more from like sports. Like, mm-hmm. when I was ki- younger, I played a lot of sports yeah. and like I play a lot of basketball. So, like, you know, the the, the tournament, the final four. Like the elite eight, okay, you made the elite eight. Yeah. Like nobody really cared. But once you hit the final four, mm-hmm. that was a that that was a big deal. Yeah. Nobody cared about the eight. It was that <laughs> four. So when you I you also g- probably weren't playing tournaments with like six hundred. No, teams. correct, correct. <laughs> but yeah, you're I right. Get you. You're, I get you're you. right. You're right. Um, but that's that's like I didn't know. Like yeah. I, I was. I, I didn't know like if there if, if there was a history there or if it was just mm-hmm. once you made top eight that was that's when you really got to see uh, prizes yeah so so that that makes sense that makes mm-hmm. sense um, okay so so with the with the what is net decking out of the way um, we want to start getting into why we think it's a good thing um, we've got like four different points here that we want to touch on okay um, uh, so the first, the first being, it helps and lets players learn the game better, introducing them to a wider range of the card pool. Now, this is more along the lines of the pre-constructed lists. Mm-hmm. Um, that re- and, and with a lot of the pre-con lists for any of the games, like it, it's a separate product that you buy, right? Um, 
So you go out, you buy a box, and then you're ready to, like if Jim and I wanted to learn Digimon or whatever, um, which speaking of, that game looks super sick. It seems like we're going to be learning that game. Yeah, we are. (laughs) (laughs) But if we wanted to play that, super simple. We can just go out, buy some starter decks, and then sit down and learn it together and play. Yep. So like it's it's a really easy way to get you into into a game. So if once you get to the point of you're like, all right, I picked up the starter deck. I I'm super comfortable with how to play the game. Right. I've got all the basics down. In fact, I've now learned all the all the advanced strategies of of what to do inside of this game. Mm-hmm. Now I want to actually go to my LGS or a local tournament or whatever, and then actually try and compete. Once you get there, you're like, okay, most likely, like if you're a relatively new player, you're not going to try, you're probably not going to try and build a deck, build your own deck on the first go around, depending on the player you are, you might. Mm -hmm. Um, But like for me, when I first got into Magic, I mean, I watched countless number of YouTube videos to try and figure out how to play this game, right? And then once I finally got the gumption i found um i looked up a cheap goblins deck (laughs) right bought the singles put it together and then i took it to my lgs and then i started playing so like step one step one a lot of the times is going to be that pre-con that pre-constructed list and so and and that was like for me when i i went to the lgs i said hey I want to play Magic. I've heard that they have these free starter decks, and they had free decks that they just mm-hmm. handed out. I don't know if Wizard still does that anymore. Welcome decks, I believe they do. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the welcome decks, if they're still a thing, that's awesome. Um, that real, real quick before yeah. we continue forward, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to say. So when I got into Magic, right, um, this was right at the start of Kaladesh. My first deck I ever built. Oh. Uh, it was mono green, Dan. What? Yeah. I, don't, no. I don't think anyone knows that. No. Me and my sister. <laughs> no. Yeah, so when I first got into it, I was watching uh, S, I think his name, SB, Strictly Better MTG. S, dude, yeah, dude, yeah. Dev, Dev, if you're you're not watching this, but whatever, that's okay. <laughs> that was your first deck. His de- One of his decks was my first deck, too. <laughs> SBMTG. Or, SBMTG, yeah. Strictly Better Magic yep. Gathering, yes. He, he had a Mono Green Werewolves deck. What? And I built Mono Green Werewolves. So you had built? no clue how to play it at all. <laughs> so, so, dude, this is hilarious. Jim built Mono Green uh, werewolves, yeah, and I built mono green goblins, all based mono on red goblins. mono mono red yeah. goblins, all based off of Dev. <laughs> That's awesome. Dev yeah. is awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah, Dev make Dev up. makes great content. <laughs> Dev, you the man. Then I later on gave that deck to my sister. I hated it, and I'm um, <laughs> like, "That's not for me. Let's learn how to go face." You know? That's funny. So. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, dude. I was a filthy mono green player for a little bit. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> and then he realized, like, yeah, dark side's that. not for me. I left that. I left that dark side. I went to the actual dark side yeah. of Grixis. Of Grixis, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, wow. Interesting. Yeah. But, like, so that's funny because we've we both had very similar mm-hmm. starts to magic where. And that counted um, as net decking. 
Yes, <laughs> exactly. Straight up. We both did. We both yeah. net decked. Yeah. Um, and now we're here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't a competitive list. No, but it was right, a budget right. list. Yeah, same. Mine was a budget list as yeah. well because I'm like, I'm not looking to spend a ton of money. I yeah. mean, I don't I think I spent like 20 bucks on it, maybe. Mm. I think for me, the most expensive card in that list was Goblin uh, Chain Whirler. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Wasn't it like five to what five to eight bucks for per copy? I honestly can't remember. Uh, it was remember. it was it was a while ago. It was a while ago. And so. then uh, after I got rid of that mono green list, uh, my friend hooked me up with Boros Aggro with Smuggler's Copter. Yeah, the, went face and did really well. Yeah, because that was the deck that like was winning tournaments, <laughs> yeah. all the competitive yeah, tournaments at the time. Yeah, 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 it did. Yeah, it did. All right, so so um, Jim, what's the what's the next point we've got? Oh, here? What's the next one? Find new and existing card synergies, mm -hmm. which is my biggest love about neck decking. It really teaches you about new cards that you just don't know about, and like more than teach it too. Like a lot of the times, like if you're net decking, right? You're coming and and net decking, like the best part. The best thing about it is when, not just when you come across a list, mm -hmm. like you see a tournament and you see the deck list. Okay, great. That that is not that's not what I like to do, mm -hmm. because yes, it, th that is data. That's information. That is data for me as a competitive player trying to find out what's the meta look like and then what deck can I bring mm -hmm. to best challenge that meta game. Okay, yeah. that's just data. But really good net decking is when you find a deck, and somebody wrote an article about it, wrote, here is this deck, here's the overall strategy, mm -hmm. and here's why I like to play. And then they've just written so much information about the deck. Yep. Marvel Champions database. Yes. That's one of the... That I love amazing. that. I yeah. love it when people... And the great... So the thing about Marvel Champions, like it... So yeah, it's a, it's a co-op game, right? But... We're telling our own stories inside the Marvel Universe. Yeah. We're taking on these characters and, again, playing as them, essentially. And we're telling our own stories the way we want to tell them. Mm -hmm. And people really take that to their the deck building. So they um, – and some of them are really great. Some of them are, are um, straight to the point. Um, which like that's fine too. Like that mm -hmm. again, you're helping me as a player learn how to play your idea yeah. essentially, right? Um, but sometimes it's like some they will take it to the next level, <laughs> yeah. And they will tell legit great stories just in the write up <laughs> for the deck, right? A support list I came across. Wow, that one went into a lot of detail. Yeah. The one that I came across for uh, Black Widow, like Black Widow playing poker, or Natasha Romanoff playing poker yeah. or something. It's, it's, it's like it's what I like to do when I'm playing these games. Mm -hmm. So, like sharing that with other members of the community is so is great too. Yeah. Like being able to share, to share that is 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 what's great. Um, so let's see. One of the other things too is, as I also do feel like um, you tend to you tend to see a lot of these in a lot of these pre-constructed lists because a lot of them the way that they're designed is they're designed around one or two cards. Mm -hmm. Is there um, like a lot of these commander products? At least in the past, is they take they take a strict a theme, right, yeah. and they build straight up around that one theme in every card in that list. 
supports that theme in one mm -hmm. way or another. Yeah. Um, that really helps. It, it really helps the players see how this uh, strategy or, or, or archetype can really be built around. And then you take that idea and then you just go ham with mm -hmm. it. And that's what a lot of people do. And, and that's why you see people like the command zone and all these other outlets where they take the existing list and they show, here's how you can upgrade it and mm -hmm. make it that much better. Even on uh, EDH Rec, which yes. is one of the best websites if you play Commander, For Commander. format. Yep. And uh, they even have a a, um, a section on there for pre-con upgrades. Oh, yeah, they do. So they do. it's it's a, it's an amazing website. Anytime I'm building a Commander deck, that's the first place I go. Yeah, if you guys first place I go. If you guys have an interest but don't play Commander yet, go check out that website. Yeah, just go check it out because what you can do is you can pull up a card, mm -hmm. and then it'll show you like if it's a legendary Commander or a legendary card, excuse me, legendary creature. Mm -hmm. Okay, it'll show you cards that are in a lot of these decks that have, excuse me, this card as the Commander, mm -hmm. and then it also shows you like. Car, um, decks that are it's in the 99 of yep. for, for instance yep. um, so there's it, it's 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 again it's data right and again for for these types of games these card games data is so is a humongous part of it huge yeah it is absolutely huge um yeah so you, you're gonna you're gonna find those uh, build arounds essentially in, in those pre-commas but again and that's that's why a lot of people build these decks right too is they see um, like today, for instance, I was watching uh, one of Seth's. Uh, I think it was a Budget Magic video. He was building all, or he was building around. It was a Gruel counters list. It's Gruel modified, oh, okay. so it's built around um, uh, Rejuvenating Springs, I think. Yeah, and it's again taking I'm like, one. Not that many counter spells in Gruel, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, plus one, plus one counters. Right, right. Because in in Kamigawa, it's all about the modified, mm -hmm. make, making yeah. things modified. <laughs> um, so like he'll take one or two cards and then just build decks completely around them, mm -hmm. and like that's and that's how you build decks. Honestly, yeah. is you take one or two cards and you're like, all right, here's this synergy that I want to build mm -hmm. around. Um, and then you just, you do research and then you look at all the cards in a card pool and then you go from there. Or you have a win con, not yeah. so much even just like card synergizing well with each other, or it's the ultimate synergy to where it's like, well, all right, well now I just win the game if I'm able to get off this combo. So for me, when, when I build that decks, one card. when I typically build decks, I will take a couple of cards mm -hmm. that I want to just try to make work or synergize well together yeah. and then build around those specifically. Mm -hmm. Do you do you do it that way or do you like to just have an idea and then find cards that fit your idea? Well, if we've looked at my past decks, I really just play uh, good stuff. That's it. Well, yeah, <laughs> true, true, true. But, but I mean, but, but like that's all that's in my mind when I'm first building a deck. Well, it's same. like, yeah. Oh, this is a great card in these colors. This yeah. is also a really good card in these colors. Why mm -hmm. don't I play Sultai? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, why don't you play Sultai? <laughs> the more I've like been thinking about it recently, I'm like, I don't know if I do like Grixis and Commander. I'm like, now I kind of like how Mardu plays yeah, a Mardu's bit more. Good. And I'm just good. like, man, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, I just, if, I don't, I, <laughs> I just throw cards together, honestly. Yeah. I don't really think about it. 
But th- that's the other the other thing though is like if you do it long enough and like yeah. if you're doing it a lot, then that's when you're gonna be like, okay, I need to do something different, yeah. or you've got yeah. other ideas, themes, strategies, synergies, mm-hmm. whatever. You're gonna come at it a different way. I guess my mono blue list has a theme. So And what is that theme? Counter. <laughs> I'm playing mono blue counters. It's like that gruel guy, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm playing counter spells. He's playing counter counters. Yeah, counter counter. <laughs> all right, all right. So the next the next point we have here mm-hmm. is it helps lets players learn the competitive metagame. Yeah. This is huge. Um, I mean this this is really how net decking first came well no it is straight up how it came out it's how it came to prominence and really why it was used in the first place Mm -hmm. um posting tournament winning decks yep so uh before i start talking about it jim what tell the people what you sent me um oh man oh on on discord yes oh um, yeah (laughs) there's a one specific guy just a random nobody by the name of Brian Kibler. <laughs> if you're in Magic, you know who we're talking about. Or if you're in Hearthstone, you know. Who oh, we're that, talking yes, that's about. true. That's true. Um, that's true. And uh, he 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 posted back in 2016, I believe it was, a post about where or the history of net decking, and um, it was from a group of people that were called the Dojo or Magic Dojo. And they were just posting online. I believe it was between 96 and 2001 was when they were a thing. I thought it was 94. Was it 96? Let me see. Because I'm going to pull up the Wikipedia okay. on it right um, now. Yeah, I, I forget the exact year. It could be 94. 95. 95? Okay, makes sense. Windows 95 is what they were running on. <laughs> yeah. And, um, <laughs> and they had a website where they were posting tournament-winning deck deck list so not just that though too yeah and um and other articles and and stuff Mm -hmm. as well and they were pretty much the forerunners of Mm -hmm. starting off the whole term of Mm -hmm. net decking Mm -hmm. um so i will i will make sure so i'm gonna make sure i post this this article um it's not really an article it's essentially what it is is a bunch of old school magic guys coming together and talking about the old days essentially was, was what it was and so the what it what the dojo was, it was it started off as these Usenet forums. If you know anything about the history of the internet, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say Usenet forums. Um, you young guys, you've probably have no idea. So like before before the dot com uh, bubble, essentially. Um, before the internet really took off, um, I mean, this is Web 1.0 stuff. Mm-hmm. This is all Web 1.0, where it was there was no real World Wide Web. It was just you logging on and posting to a bunch of these forms. I mean, I remember when I was when I was younger. Um, I mean, in the days of dial-up, um, I was. I mean, my Sega Genesis and Nintendo and Super Nintendo days. For me, it was like all Sega Genesis. Like I would look up all the strategy guides. I remember going to these forums. I mean, I remember the old mm-hmm. the old school days of IGN. It was just a all it was was forums, and I remember printing off some of these strategy guides for the oh, game that like yeah. Siphon Filter. Yeah, I mean that's PS One. So again, that, that's still later on too. Mm-hmm. 
printing off those strategy guides, I mean, it was pages upon pages and pages. I was playing fighting games like Mortal Kombat, and you're like, all right, what's what's the what's the combo for the, for, <laughs> yeah. for the thing? Yeah, it was back back forward. <laughs> yes, correct, correct. So this this is during those days, right? Mm. The article or, or the I'm just gonna say article, like the article, it was super fascinating listening to all these guys talk about what it was mm -hmm. and now what it has evolved to. One of the, one of the things that I found interesting was um, a, I think Kai Buddy's, uh, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. I think it's Buddy or Bud, not totally sure. Um, but one thing he had said was he was like, he remembers when he would consume 100% of the magic content. <laughs> You were able to do that back then. Now he was like, you'd be lucky if you if you consumed one percent of the magic content that is out there now. There's so much. It's it is it's crazy. So like, if you can remember a time where you were able to consume a hundred percent of the information, that's crazy. But learning about the history of this thing was so fascinating. Mm -hmm. I mean, essentially what it was is is old school magic pros coming together and sharing their notes, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, they they had uh, – let's see. I'm going to see if I can find it. But they had an actual thing on there um, called Dex to Beat. That's what it was. Dex to Dex Beat. Dex to Beat. Basically saying here is what the the con the competitive metagame looks right now. And this was, this was before the term metagame, mm -hmm. right? Like – it, honestly, if I guess, they probably came up with that term. Like, that would be my guess. Probably. Um, so, like, if they, if you were on the dojo, you already had a leg up on the competition mm -hmm. because you probably knew what they were, what they were coming to. Nowadays, it's 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 hard for players nowadays to think to think about it because everybody has the has the same access to all this information mm -hmm. and everybody is looking at all this information and their data mm -hmm. right but back then not everybody had access to the internet yep. so not everybody knew what the decks were at the time i didn't really know what the internet was until like 2003 so that's when we i can't really even got i it. can't even remember to be honest only reason i remember is cuz that's when my my uh, ma was dating her now husband when, like, when they first mm -hmm. got together. Yeah. Oh two, oh three. Mm -hmm. So, and he was the one who introduced us to the internet. Oh really? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're at all fascinated with with the history of of magic, honestly, like with uh, with professional magic, and then just stuff like this, um, we'll make sure we post that um, in the comment uh, down below in the descriptions and the show notes. Um, but definitely check it out. It is super fascinating. Um, just <laughs> listening to people like Brian Kibler, LSV, mm -hmm. um, Michael Flores, all these people talk about what it was back then, mm -hmm. um, is super interesting and fascinating. So, de so definitely check it out. Um, but like learning the competitive metagame is huge, right? Um, like, and I've got here like just about every card game now or just about every card game ever has at least one site dedicated to where you can find the latest tournament results and the decks that were used in that tournament. Mm -hmm. And that's what the dojo was. Yeah. It's what the dojo was. And players use that information to try and win the next big event. And like now, like it, it, it saves you time. Like it does save you time. 
Um, like if you don't have a lot of time to prepare, you can just be like, all right, well, here's here's the tournament results. Here's what <laughs> works. And here I know what the metagame is going to be like most mm -hmm. likely for this tournament. And this is the deck that has performed very well against all these other decks. So I'm going to take this, put it together. Boom, I'm ready to go. Yep. Now, you're probably not adequately prepared, but, you know. <laughs> There's you... also a meta decking idea out there. I don't really know exactly what you want to call it. But if there is a ban list that has just happened and mm -hmm. a lot of people are now experimenting with different decks, mm -hmm. yeah. you play burn. You play burn because it's... It's just like safe. it's the safer strategy, safe. yeah. And you punish people so hard if they're like taking a little too long mm -hmm. or like really still don't know the ins and outs of the deck. Yeah, that's when burn really shines. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So yeah, that that makes sense. So burn shines in a metagame mm -hmm. that hasn't been figured out yet. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. But once like... <laughs> the meta's been figured out, yeah, that's yeah. a completely then, different then thing. Then burn starts to go down a little bit because right. now it's right. like, oh, well, burn's doing great. Now let's figure out our decks and how to beat burn. And then they start teching in new stuff. With with Magic Arena, that's that's like um, red deck wins. Yeah. It's mono red. Yeah. It's the same thing. Just play mono any, red. Any new rotation. So new rotation hits or a new set, set release hits, you'll probably see mono red, a lot of people playing yeah. mono red on the ladder. Yep. And or if it's a mono black aggro list or yeah, a mono yeah, white yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Any of those mono aggro lists yeah. are, are typically what's popular around those time periods. Mm -hmm. And then once the metagame gets figured out, then those tend to lose popularity yep. because they just don't do as well in, in the in the meta, mm -hmm. uh, honestly. Um, yeah. So um, that, that's, that, that is, uh, that's point number three, learning the competitive metagame. It's probably one of the biggest points um, that are – that is the pro for net decking, honestly. Yeah. Um, and so the last point here, this is very interesting. Um, optimizing an existing list with community help. So in doing research, I found um, a forum. Again, you know, we're talking about forums here. Um, that was all about, again, talking about magic, but was all about mono blue tempo. Mm -hmm. So the forum post was like 21 pages, right? Um, and basically had people working together to try and best optimize this list, the mono blue tempo list for uh, it, at the time it was standard, stand, the standard format for, mm -hmm. for magic. Um, yeah. So had 21 pages of posts over the course of three years with folks showing the list they used and how it performed in tournaments. So it, 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 go, it, it goes hand in hand with point three, learning the competitive metagame. Um, so it's using, using that concept of net decking and then just sharing that information. Mm -hmm. So exactly mm -hmm. how the dojo was. Um, but this is 2018 all the way through 2021, mm -hmm. uh, that was there super, super interesting. Um, and so it's, it, it's very funny. Well, not funny, but, um, I find it very interesting the players who are doing all this net decking, it's not like they're trying to keep this information. Mm -hmm. It's they're sharing it with the community and yeah. saying, hey, here's what worked for me. Mm -hmm. um, and here, again, we're sharing data, right? It, we're sharing all this data with each other in hopes that we can raise the, com the comp competitive level of this game um, and then get each other better. Uh, mm -hmm. in the process um this actually reminds me because you were saying it was it was posted somewhere and there was a lot of people talking about yep. it there's yeah. one other specific deck that comes to mind and it's hollow one. Oh yeah so 
back in um, I forget the year, but it was Rivals of Ixalan Pro Tour. Yeah, that Hollow One was a thing, and that Pro Tour was a was a modern event. Okay, so and modern. so and um, so the deck was just purely based upon luck. How lucky are you, essentially? And you would you would make it to where it was like turn one or turn two, you're bringing out multiple four four beaters. Mm. And this is like you could play two on turn, on turn one? one. Yeah, it Holy was nuts. Wow. So, um, and uh, and it was I want to say it was four days before that Pro Tour event. Uh-huh. People were discussing this deck, and I want to say three or four people went to the tournament with this list, and I think one or two made top eight. Really? Yeah. It wow. was absurd. That's crazy. Like, this deck came out of nowhere. And, and if, like, you weren't paying attention to this forum or you didn't know anyone who was paying it, you had no clue this deck even existed. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, you did what? Yeah. You're like, oh, uh, we're going to play a card that makes it to where we both discard three cards in our hand. Now, where did that idea come from? Were they were they surveying the meta at the time, the modern meta? I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely sure about where it came from, mm-hmm. but um, it was. I just know that it was people were talking on a on a forum about mm-hmm. the list, yeah, and they were talking about how crazy this interaction can be. There was uh, burning inquiry. Mm-hmm. And um, Faithless Looting was, mm-hmm. which also later got banned, mm-hmm. partially because of this deck. And, it's still um, banned in modern, right? Yeah, yeah, it's still banned. It's probably never coming off the list. Mm-hmm. It enables too many crazy decks. And um, yep. so the whole point of this deck was you you play a card that allows you to draw a few cards, but then you have to discard either at randomly mm-hmm. or you get to decide the cards that are picked. Oh. Um, so... An, the uh, I believe it's Burning Inquiry. You draw a few cards, then you discard a few. And then, um, so you made it to where Hollow One, which was a five mana cost, mm-hmm. for every card you discard from your hand during that turn, you reduce his his uh, mana value, his CMC, by two. I was about to say, it's, it's mana value now. So if you, re- if you pitch three cards in a turn... You're playing him for free, and that's exactly what they were doing. Oh, dude. Hollow One costs two less for each yeah. card you've cycled or discarded is this he, turn. Is oh, it a 4-4 four, four or a 5-5? Five, 4-4. Five. Four, four. Okay, 4-4. Four, four. So five costs, 4-4 four, four for five. Yeah. And he has cycling two on him. Yeah, so he himself can also be tossed wow. if you need that one extra card. But, wow, like, that's oh, crazy. It, all it looks at is the number of cards that you discarded that yeah. turn. Yeah. Wow. And that's our devastation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, crazy. That card was nuts, <laughs> and the fact that oh, it dude. Was... So if you if you oh st- oh man, so you you're casting him for free. Yeah, you cast him for yeah, free. You, you can cast multiple. That's what I'm saying. Multiple you can of play them for two oh, out on turn one. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was nuts. Wow, that's crazy. Because <laughs> then you also used um, there was a card to where it was you pay two life to cycle him. I forget the card's name. So okay, um, he was he was he's a black monster card pay two life to cycle them, and then you discard them to draw an extra card. So you could play Faithless Looting to draw two, discard two, pay the two life to discard himself, and now Street you, Wraith. Street Wraith. You have now discarded three cards, which now are reducing those costs in your hand down to zero. My goodness. Yeah, it's wow. nuts. It's absurd. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. It's very interesting. Yeah. The things that you learn. Yeah. 
Um, Four days before an event, and you're taking top eight seating. But like this, this is the same thing. Like with teams, this is what mm-hmm. teams do. Yeah. Um, it's just you're do you're doing all the things that we talked about. You're doing it in a group setting, mm-hmm. essentially, and then you're sharing all that data with your team in hopes that one of you w- within the team does well. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like this is this is the stuff that card gamers live for. This is the stuff that. It's why we're, you're a card game player. Like you do net decking because it's the, it, it's not that it's a thing to do. But if you want to be good, this is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's research. Yeah. Like you do your research. You're just learning from the people that have come before you. Yes. You, which you're, you do in literally everything, everything else. Everything else. Every single <laughs> thing else. Mathematics, science. Yes. <laughs> that's what. That's what. That's like what you. all of science is. Is hey, I I did this thing and here's what happened. Don't do the same thing that I did and mess up. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's what happens in literally all of life. Same but some music, but, everything. But somehow doing it with card games is bad. <laughs> So now we're getting now now we're getting now now we're getting into the topic of why net decking can be bad. Okay, mm-hmm. Th- there are a couple of legitimate. I think there's a couple, <laughs> maybe one downside. One, I think. Okay, first off, first of all, I want to net decking. Net decking has had, and we've said this before, and it's still. I think it still has. I don't think that. Uh, let me finish this first still has a negative stereotype mostly because people say a couple things. Number one, you're a cheater. No, this that's bull crap. That is absolute bull crap. No. No, zero merit. If you say you're a cheater because you're net deck, dude, no. Oh, man. No. <laughs> you're a cheater. No. I've legit heard that. I've wow. legit heard people say that. Like, you're not, you're you're talking about seriously <laughs> what what are you talking this about this next one yeah i could see this one so uh, the the next one is they say you have no no creativity mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah which could very well be true but but again <laughs> but again now so i think there's some merit so so what what i have written down here just based on the standpoint of you and you're not actively creating a new idea, you are taking an already existing idea and then maybe potentially modifying it. So, okay. You're saying you're not creative because you're not coming up with an, with a new idea. Okay. All right. You have a point, but what is the point? Mm -hmm. What is the point? Why are you playing this game? Why? Like, are you playing it in terms of you want to have a new idea? You want to come up with a new idea? But if you're playing to win, like if you're playing in a competitive setting, yep. then you don't care about creativity for the application. Like for the application, we're not playing this game. We're not trying to build this deck to be creative. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's one of the great things about magic and card games in general. Excuse me. Is there so many different ways to play it? And so many reasons for you to play it, Mm -hmm. okay? Like, if you're playing casual format, hey, and, like, when I play Magic or if I'm playing Arena when I was doing my other channel, I'm just like, I've got a crazy idea. I want to try and build a deck around this idea and see if it works. And when it worked, it was hella fun. (laughs) I feel like you can build around any deck as long as it's a control deck, honestly. Like, you can make it work. Well, like, tribes, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. I I played a rat tribal list, mm-hmm. um, and I think I played it in historic. Mm-hmm. 
I had so much fun with that deck. And not, when I won, I'm like, yes, I am validated. <laughs> it's a good thing. It wasn't that great, but it was fun. And honestly, that's all I was trying to do. I was trying to have fun with this idea, with this list that I built, and I won with it. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, so many different ways. But again, in a competitive, in a competitive um, application and competitive sense, you're not trying to be creative. You're trying. You're trying to win money. Like, if you're mm -hmm. in a tournament, you want to win that that first place prize. Mm -hmm. You want to win that hundred grand or Especially whatever. Especially if it you're is. traveling to like a completely yeah. different yes. space. There was there was a recent uh, flesh and blood tournament. I was hearing um, listening to Team Coven. I was listening to Zach. The one in Indy. Yeah, the one in yeah, Indy. Yeah. Um, I was listening to him talk about the tournament, and uh, he had some he had he had some pretty great stories about it. <laughs> um, but it's it's very cool because again, like they had a team put together, mm -hmm. um, and they were again trying to win. Um, I mean, he I can't remember what he how he did on the last day, yeah, but we could have seen them there. Yeah, we could have, <laughs> <laughs> or at least Zach. Um, yeah. But listening to him talk about it is it's very interesting, yeah. right? So again, like if you're competing, I'm not I'm not trying to build a new idea, right? I'm trying to win and I'm gonna take any advantage I can, mm -hmm. not cheating. Again, cheating, dude. <laughs> okay, here's what I said to Jim beforehand. Okay. The the competitive, if you're if you're competing in these card games, right? Yes, you want to win, but you also want to raise the level of the competition. Mm -hmm. You want everyone around you to get better. You want the game to get better. Magic has been around 28 years, roughly, going on 30 years. If you're playing Magic, you want that to continue. If you're playing any game on any sort of competitive level, you don't want that game to die. I've heard people talk about games that they've enjoyed and they've played competitively, and then it just died. Makes you very sad because here's a game you enjoy playing. You're good at it. You're winning tournaments or you're doing well in the tournament. You're top eighting these tournaments. You want that to continue. You want that experience to continue. You want others to experience what you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. You want more good players to come in so you can prove you're the best out of a, a, a very good pool of players, yeah. right? That's what real competitors do. That's what real competitors feel. I've never met, and I, I've been competing in a lot of different things through my entire life. I never want to play against bad players. I want to play against people who are better than me and beat them and try to beat them. And if I don't, I don't. Mm. Right. But that pushes me to then get better. It improves me. And then me and my opponent are playing the dance of I'm going to beat you. You're going to beat me. And we're going to continually try and best one another. <laughs> and you hear anyone talk about co competition. They have rivalries. So, yeah. Like some of them have rivalries and it, Always, it's back and forth. I beat him, he beat me. I did something different, then I beat him, and then he did something different. He mm -hmm. beat beat a uh, beat me. There we go, <laughs> beat it. <laughs> but, but but that's how real competitors talk. If you talk because and and all you say is I just want to win. I don't care about what happens. I want everyone else just to to do very bad. You, no, you're that's not that is not. Then you don't Competition. care about the game. No, you don't. Yeah. No, all you care about is carrying a stupid trophy home mm -hmm. that's going to say, you, like, you didn't earn it. <laughs> like, it's not about that dumb trophy. It's not about the money. Yeah. It's not. Like, the money, like, if you're if you're in a competition well, and you win money. It could be about the money, yeah. Well, right, right. 
but like if it's just about the money yeah. uh, again th- then like you're not in it for the game yeah right and a lot of times for competitors <laughs> it's not as much the game but and jim you said this a lot that it's the journey yeah it's getting to that point yeah if you make it about the money or the trophy you've lost not to mention it's not even like it's a lot of money either. No. Okay, let's throw that out no. there. If it's if it's just about the money to you for something, you're in the wrong industry, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If true. you're trying to just earn money from playing tournaments, then yeah. you're in the wrong industry. Right. Especially especially a game where there is no competitive scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. That's changed. Coming back. Soon, soon, we did we 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 did that podcast saying is magic dead, and now it's it's. I, I I'm not saying they're listening to the podcast, <laughs> but you know. Yeah, we didn't we didn't mention this for a while, but I hit, was like, hit me up, yeah, hit me up, wizards. We'll talk. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just I I wanted to get that off because yeah. it's just yeah. stop with the negative stereotype. <laughs> just stop. You know, I also to, I also used to think that net decking was not a good thing, so I would have I would try to stay away from it when I was like in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Back in 2007 mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah. I would always just hear people like bashing it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Okay, well, I'm just not going to do that." And then I started just doing it. I'm like, "Wait, this is just making me a better player. Mm-hmm. Why am I not doing this all the mm-hmm. time?" So, You're getting more ideas. Yeah. Like, yes, you're using other people's ideas, but it's not like you don't always have to have original ideas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you're not stealing someone someone's ideas either. That yeah. That's not it either. Mm-hmm. It's you're taking an existing idea. But what is music? Like, you look at music, so many themes are very similar. Yeah. So that are similar. And there's and there's been lawsuits that are like you um that, what was it? There there's an uh ice 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 baby and took it uh, took Queen uh, Queen um do 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 under pressure. Under pressure, there we go. Um uh what's his name? Vanilla Ice yeah. was talking about that and he was like no, we, we didn't use the same thing. We didn't we didn't use we, he said this is what he said. He said we didn't use that beat. Their beat goes do 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 ours goes do 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 It's like you added in the one beat. The one. The one beat. But you they, That's literally like the same note. <laughs> I think and he there was a lawsuit and I think he lost that lawsuit. Yeah, he did. Um yeah. And like he even he in you in that interview you can tell he straight up acknowledges that he got that idea from Queen, mm-hmm. right? Again, that's not a bad thing. Like uh, a lot, of, there's plenty of times to where like I get I get you you look at any of our videos, okay? I guarantee you, you'll be able to find other videos that look somewhat similar, right? That's not because I'm stealing something. It's I've gotten ideas. From other creators. We definitely didn't talk to anyone like that recently. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not, and a lot of the times it's, you know what? This looks really good. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use that as a base Mm -hmm. and kind of put my own sort of spin on it. But that happens all the time in every art form ever. Mm -hmm. 
Um, imitation it legitimately is the sincerest form of flattery. Like if you're imitating somebody, that means you have a high impression of, of that person. No, honestly. And so like straight, like with me, that's straight up how it is. Also sure. going, I guess like also going back to the last thing, yeah. uh, guys, competition breeds greatness. Straight up. Like they've been saying it for a long time. You know what else? <laughs> competition breeds is creativity too. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why you see a lot of, uh, with, with card games, particularly you see people who approach the metagame and say, okay, how can I build a deck that beats this strategy? Yep. Yep. Right. So that's straight up. That's you're trying to come up with a new idea mm-hmm. that counters the existing ideas that yep. are already there. Um, so one other thing, too. So, um, again, in one of these articles I found, they say net decking also comes with its downsides. However, if the list is not accompanied by the author's notes, it may be difficult to discern what roles particular cards play in the deck, what the flex slots are and which cards are metagame calls. Yep. Um, that what we were saying earlier, where if you find a deck, it's it's always best finding it in an article and then hearing what the author of that idea, what their thoughts were when they built that idea. Essentially, mm-hmm. uh, Star City Games has done a phenomenal job, phenomenal job uh, uh, when when they write up these these lists. Oh, yeah. Same thing with Channel Fireball. Um, any of these big name sites, these strategy sites, they do such a great job, and I love reading those articles just just to get the ideas hmm. i read them and i'm like wow these i mean i, I remember reading a lot of pa- patrick chapin's articles when i was first getting into the game it's like my goodness <laughs> he'd throw out ide- like decklist after decklist after a decklist because he had an idea and it's super it's super awesome just getting into the minds of these really really great players hmm. um so you know i was actually thinking about this the other day i was going through some some list for uh for burn and some other things with a friend of mine. And um, I was out when I was going through it, I'm like, why aren't they playing this? And why are they playing this card? Cause I've been playing burn for a, yeah, a few a years yeah, now. Right. And, and not so much just in magic. I've, I've been yeah. playing burn and Yu-Gi-Oh for mm-hmm. a long time. Right. And I also play it in Pokemon too. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when I'm, when I'm now looking at these, um, these magic lists of burn. I'm like, why aren't they playing this? And I'm like, it's so good against this deck, this deck, this deck. And these are like the number one and number two decks, decks in the for, for the format. Yeah, right? right. And I'm like, just why are we not playing this card? Do, uh, you know, deflecting palm. Yeah. Okay. Tell me why they aren't playing it. And amulet Titans, the number one deck. I don't know. <laughs> Did you, did you find something that that said why? <laughs> it, no, 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 no. It was uh, because I I was playing it, and when I let um I let maybe I'm pretty sure I can say his name. I let Avi play it. Maybe they're not playing white. Who knows? They are. Oh, they play white. <laughs> they are playing. <laughs> they got the white. Boros charm and the Lightning Helix. Oh my oh. God, <laughs> Lightning Helix. Um, and then even white cards in the sideboard. But again. When when he was telling me is like, oh dude, deflecting palm was so clutch at this tournament. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Play the card, guys. I don't understand. Deflecting palm is so would be so good against Amy Latite. It's so versatile, yeah. They're uh, like, oh, tw- they if they I'm gonna hit you for eight? If they're going no, to try I'm gonna hit you for eight? Oh my goodness. If they're gonna try and kill you like 
pretty much spot on with with Valakut, right? You can make one of those triggers, just hit them back. Mm -hmm. And then you can then go into your turn. Again, if there's nothing else for them to be able to kill you with. Right. And then you can continue into your turn. Right. Um, but again, yeah, if they swing in with uh, with a Titan or even now to constructs that are huge, you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, this yeah, is fine. Yeah. And against Burn, it's you're you're wasting one of their cards and dealing three damage to their face. Against Mono Green Tron, they throw literally anything at you. Mm -hmm. yeah. The Ulamog, you're like, no, you're gonna take the ten. Sure, I'm gonna blow up these I'll two blue, lands yeah. that I now just or mill ten mill, cards. Yeah. Or twenty cards. No, twenty. Twenty cards. Twenty. Um sure I'm gonna get that effect, but you're eating ten damage. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, the car the card's too good, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, why would you not play the flex? I don't oh, know. That doesn't make they sense. haven't been running it for a while now. Wow. Whatever. <laughs> So that's kind Jim's of upset. so that's kind of where like the whole you can be creative with your list mm -hmm. when you start to have enough experience with the deck list, right? Yeah. Then mm -hmm. you can start making changes. Of the things deck you list don't archetype. Like. Yeah. Yeah. When I was also first getting into burn, it was three colors. Like they were playing it as Naya. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, because I, I like Naya. I forget the I forget the card in the sideboard. It was a gruel card that allowed you to blow up like enchantment artifacts, and then it would deal damage to them. Okay. Um, so then yeah, you would play that in the board, and then I was I would like play it, but I just didn't really like it. It just felt mm -hmm. clunky. Mm -hmm. Playing that third extra color slowly removed it, and then everyone else started removing it as well, and played other things to go around it. And then some lists were playing the Deflecting Palm. I love Deflecting Palm. And then it slowly rotated out of the deck list. So so, so Jim's talking about this from the standpoint of someone who knows this game very well. Yeah. Right? But if you're a new player and you come across the list and you just put it together and you mm -hmm. start playing it, that can be to your detriment. Right? Yeah. Like, that. this point alone could really go against the point that we made about a, it being a positive of you learning the game. And that could just blow up in your face. It mm -hmm. could make it difficult for you to learn the game because you're like, you don't understand how the deck is supposed to work, yep. how it's supposed to function, how you're supposed to pilot the deck. And you could just straight up like quit because you're not having fun yep. and you're not understanding it. Yeah. Right. Going so, back to my mono green werewolves. Correct, I had right. no clue what right. I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and he I don't hates mono green. This. I hate mono green. <laughs> I, I tell Dan and like other people that came into the store when a new player comes in and they're like, oh, I got this mono green list. I'm like, okay, I am going to wipe the floor with them. I want them to think mono green is the worst deck. <laughs> I'm like, just get off of it, man. It's a oh, new you're, stopper. You're, you're not having fun? <laughs> Let me show you a good deck to play. <laughs> Like, how do I beat that card? Oh, you mean lightning bolt? How do you beat that card? You don't. All right. So there's there's one thing that I think really kind of explains the whole negative stereotype of net decking in card games. Um, it's called the IKEA effect. So if you're not familiar, which honestly I'm not I just learned about this. Today. I'm not sure how many of you are familiar. Um, I just learned about it today as well in, in doing research. Um, this is the study right here. So I, I printed out a couple copies. It's, uh, yeah. it's about a 35 page study 
from the Harvard, uh, Harvard Business School. It's called the IKEA effect. When labor leads to love, the main point that was found out of the study, and we'll link the study, we'll, we, we'll link um, the Wikipedia on it as well. Um, main point that they found says uh, a 2011 study found that subjects were willing to pay 63% more for furniture they had assembled themselves than for equivalent pre-assembled items. Um, what does that mean? All right. Um, there's a, another a paragraph in there I want to read. Because of the IKEA effect, we are often willing to fork over extra money for experiences that require us to put in more work, such as assembling furniture ourselves rather than buying it pre-assembled. Sure, these experiences can be fun in their own right, but this skill, but but this can still lead us to experiences. Excuse me. Um, but this can still lead us to overspend. The IKEA effect can also give us a skewed picture of how good a job we did on something that we worked hard on, making us overconfident. How can that be applied to net decking? Okay, we are protective of our own ideas, and we tend to think more of them than anyone else. The deck list is the ultimate idea in card games. Your deck that you built is is you embodied in a card game. Mm -hmm. And you're protective of that, right? So if you if you make a deck and then you post it and then you see all these people playing your idea. Now, like if if you're if you're a good player, if you're a very strategic player, that probably is not gonna bother you because you're you're you've been in card games for a while, right? But on the aggregate, on the average, if you see someone else doing your thing, that's that, that hurts a little bit, a little bit, because that's mine, right? That's my thing. But this study, I feel like, is a gives us a really good eye into why people think so negatively about the term or just net decking in general. Mm. Um so, I mean, when I first read that, that, the, that stat, 63% more for furniture that I build myself. I would not do that. <laughs> no, I would not do that. That's not me. <laughs> not me. Cause again, I'm looking at value. <laughs> yeah. Like I look at the value of something. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, time is also a part of it as well. Time is money. Right. So now you're also talking to a guy who does a lot of work himself and doesn't like hire it out. But honestly, that's because I save that money because <laughs> a lot of the times, like when, when we moved in, I did all of this work myself. Yeah. I didn't hire I didn't hire a contract because that's just too expensive. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's and that's not a, uh, uh, a lot. There's a lot of people that do stuff like that as well. Um, but I think this gives us um, um a good look, and I've got here. We 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 have we as humans, we have a psychological need to feel competent, and that's a big one too. Like it's competency, right? Like we need to feel validated as card gamers. Like we need to feel validated, and sometimes that that, that also goes into why you net tech as well, <laughs> because you want to find something that's done well. And so you find a deck that's won, yep. and then you try and pilot it to try and win, right? So really good study. If you want to check it out, we'll make sure we uh, link 
uh, put a link in the description where you can find it so you can check it out for yourself. It's very interesting. Um, it's going to about 30, I think it's like 35 semi pages. So it'll take some time to get through um, a little bit, but very, very interesting indeed. Mm -hmm. um, what? So what did you think when you saw that? <laughs> I was like, holy cow. <laughs> that was my first initial thought. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean. When I dug into it, I'm like, it makes sense. Yeah. Like, it, it makes sense. Like, the conclusions that they came to, I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. So, and I like how they call it the Ikea effect, too, because <laughs> it makes perfect sense. So, Literally Ikea. Yeah. Um. All right. What do you think? What do you think of net decking? I, I'm want I, I'm very curious as to hear um, the audience's opinions and what you guys think of net decking. Um, if you've, I would assume if you've been around, if you've been playing card games for an extended period of time, you have no issue with net decking. You probably do it yourselves. Um, I feel like net decking as a negative connotation is from newer and younger players because or they just more casual players as well. Yeah, true. Um, but that's, that's my, again, anecdotally, that's what I think. Mm -hmm. Um, that's where I think it comes from. And honestly, if, if I'm honest, when I, when I first got into card games and I heard the idea of net decking, I'm like, why'd you want to do that? But <laughs> as I started getting into, uh, more playing more, playing it more competitively and learning, the, learning the game more, I'm like, yes, this is what I do. It's always what I do. Like if I'm learning, if I want to get better, net deck, net deck, net deck. And then I'm like, all right. If I'm building a deck, there's a reason I'm building a yep. deck. I have a specific reason as to why I'm building this deck. How many times have you built a deck you you came across online and, and you're like, I don't like this deck? Too many. Too many times. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely too many. Um, in fact, the Pokemon deck I'm playing right now is a net deck. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm having fun with it because, you know, it's the first time I play Pokemon in a long time. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I'm not, I'm, I can't, I cannot build, I could not build you a standard Pokemon deck right now because I don't know the format. I don't know, I don't know enough of the format and I don't know the card pull well enough to be able to tell you what. Not you to build. mention if like you're going into Pokemon and you were a, a magic player, right? Your whole mindset for deck construction would be completely yep. different Correct. than what competitive Pokemon Correct. decks are. Absolutely. It's nuts. Well, it's it's They're funny. like, I'm going to play five basic energies. Yep. And then in Magic, you're like, oh, I got to play like 20. Yep. I got to play like 25, whatever well, it is. So, so the <laughs> list that I'm playing, it has a total of about... Um, play like 10 draw cards as well, well. there's like there's there's not even i don't think there's 10 pokemon in the list yeah. i don't think there's 10 pokemon it's probably there's eight. four fusion energies two <laughs> two mental so there's six total energy in the deck six total yeah. energy four cards that you could only play in the first turn mm -hmm. um which is a broken freaking card i absolutely yeah. love it um battle vip pass i think is what yeah. it is um absolutely love that card um but it it's so different it's like I go from that, then I go to Magic, yeah. then I go to Legends of Runeterra. It's like I bounce back and forth between these yeah. different card games, and it's it keeps me on my toes. It was the same thing when I started playing Flesh and Blood. I'm like, what is this deck creation Dude, I list? still, Holy I'm still super uh, a noob yeah. to, to Flesh and Blood. Yeah. I, I, I played it a couple times <laughs> with you, and I'm yeah. like... I don't even know if I'm liking this, but like I have not <laughs> I think played it's a it really enough. Cool game. Yeah, sure. Oh, Avi was also telling me how their competitive scene works. 
So cards oh, so different. Cards get banned based yeah. upon how, how many, well they do. how many tournament showing points that they have. They have a I'm BNR. Like, They've holy got holy cow. At, really? At, time, at the time of our rec- when we're recording this, they have a BNR coming up, um, and people are speculating who's going to get banned because <laughs> because they just had a they just had a major event. Yeah. And they look at how well these cards do, yeah. and I think I think the card gets like living legend status is uh, is what it is. I think okay. so. It's very interesting. Hall of Famer. That'd be cool. Make like a it's a card. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, it's like they look at how a hero does <laughs> and like oh, you can't play this hero anymore. Yeah. But again, all the heroes are like um, tokens, essentially. Mm-hmm. I, I believe so. It's very, very interesting and very different. Yeah. Um, so again, like I'm like for me, I want to get to where I know and can play these games well. Like mm-hmm. I'm competent in them, right? So Flesh and Blood is on the list. Yeah. Of I, I need to, I need to get. I am not competent at all. Yeah, it's just like a completely different game. Yeah. But it's it's like whole mana stuff setup is like Marvel Champions. Yeah. Because you're pitching cards. You're from pitching your cards hand from hand. Yeah. Which I like that mechanic. Mm-hmm. I like the multi-use cards. And you draw up to like five cards every turn. It really depends on your. When hero. we played it that one time, that was fun. Yeah, we had. Yeah. I had fun. I had a lot of fun yeah. with that. It yeah. was very very cool. <laughs> so that's that's something to where I want to I want to do on the channel because we've got decks um, mm-hmm. that that we can just sit down and play because mm-hmm. uh, again, like the the new player start with this pre-con list. And then learn it, and then go from there. So that that's yep. kind of what I want to do. So, um, yeah. What do you think about net decking? Very interested. I want to know your guys' opinions. Let us know what you think. Um, are you pro net decking? Are you uh, are you on the other side? Let us know because we're very very interested to know. And with that, with that, we're talking about the card of the week. Card of the week. So so I'm not gonna lie to you guys. We <laughs> we had a we had a tough time figuring out what the card of the week was gonna be. Um, I was letting Dan pick because I picked last week's. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, you know you know what card I want to talk about. I want to talk about Muldroth of the Grave Tide. So Muldroth of the Grave Tide is you know since we've talked a lot about magic in this episode, I thought it'd only be fitting to card. talk about a a magic card. Um, so it's Muldroth of the Grave Tide. Muldroth of the Grave Tide is a six mana value legendary creature elemental avatar three black green blue six six says during each of your turns you may play a land and cast a permanent spell of each permanent type from your graveyard. Mythic. Um, Moldrotha is gorgeous. I love Moldrotha. So Moldrotha was the first commander deck that I built. Mm-hmm. First commander deck that I built. I remember when I saw, cause, because Moldrotha was in Dominaria, mm-hmm. um, and that was around the time when I got into Magic, when I started playing Magic. So when I found out... That when was I, such a good set. When I fir- oh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting back to Dominaria yeah. with, with the, one of the upcoming sets. Mm-hmm. Um, very interested to see how that how that set's going to turn out. Uh, looks really cool. Um, but when when I first found out about Commander, and then I read this card, I saw it. I'm like, I didn't really know how the graveyard worked, what it was, and what uh, every stuff meant. And then when I found out, I'm like, wait, I can just play stuff it's from my graveyard. Hand. I'm like, that is just. And now, now that I know my play style. This is, it's, Muldrotha is my play style. She'd be ridiculously strong, even if that card got exiled. 
when it goes back into the graveyard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ridic- still ridiculously yeah. strong. So so the way it works, the way it works, it's crazy. It's it's absolutely insane. You play a card from your hand, okay? Let's say it dies and goes to the goes to your goes to your graveyard. You can then play it again. Look at the type, right? So you can play, you can cast, you can play land. You can also play a creature, an artifact, and an enchantment. Those are the only three permanents, correct? Uh, Artifact, creature, and enchantment. I believe also tribal. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Not used, not really used anymore. That's yeah. old school. Um, I it, it believe. So, more so only really matters for Bitter Blossom, which is tribal. Oh, because that's tribal enchantment. Yeah. That's right. That's true. Oh, yeah, because you can say use that as your tribal. Yep. That yeah. makes sense. Um, so, so if you play Spore Frog, for instance. Oh. <laughs> so many times. So <laughs> many times. I have a spore frog on board. I'm an attacking to you. You know I have a spore frog, right? <laughs> but then then you can you can counter that effect yeah. very easily yeah. now. Um damage can't be prevented. Uh mm-hmm. man, there's there's plenty there's plenty of cards like that. Negating abilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um but but anyway. You play Spore Frog on board. Somebody goes to attack you. I'm going to sacrifice my Spore Frog to prevent all damage. Goes back to my turn. I'm going to play Spore Frog out of my graveyard. And then you just do it again and again and again and again. Leyline of the Void. Yeah, no, thank you. Rest in peace. <laughs> Which Jim plays Rest in Peace in every deck that's white. Yeah, pretty much. Every deck that's white, he has Rest my, in Peace my in My Jeskai Walls list, it doesn't even make sense it for doesn't. me to play it because I play a lot of flashback cards. And the fun, the fun, <laughs> I still play it. <laughs> and every time he plays that deck, he always has Rest in Peace like turn two or turn three. I'm yeah, like, are crazy. you freaking kidding me? Yeah, I don't... Nuts. I think he fixes his opening hand. Oh, I definitely do. I, th- I think he yeah. has. Okay, so I have a story here. Um, <laughs> so there was a time. All right, and so if my if my buddy is listening, I guarantee he will. If Zach, if you're listening, back me up on this. So I don't know if you remember, um, but when I went to my first Magic Fest, mm-hmm. I went down to Indianapolis and stayed with a friend of mine who I hadn't seen since college. Um, and I found out that he played Magic. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, dude, that's awesome! So when I found out that he was in Ma- that he was in Indy in the Indianapolis area, um, I found out that the that conference was going to be there. I'm like, oh, sweet! So I I talked to him. Um, we met up there. I stayed with him and and, and his family for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. We hung out, and then he's got his friends who played Magic, right? So after one of the nights. Um, we go back to his place and we just, we spent the night playing magic, right? Mm-hmm. There was one guy there. Okay. Every game he had soul ring turn one, every game turns out. Yeah. He was fixing his opening hand. <laughs> Wow. So one of the games, the one of the games, I think um, one of the last games, I think I was playing my Amara uh yeah, my my list? my Amara tokens deck, dude. I beat that guy. <laughs> I I yeah I yeah. <laughs> when I figured it out, I'm like, okay, I'm just swinging everything at you. Okay, yeah, you're dead. All right, see you later, buddy. <laughs> Fix your hand for the next game. All right, thanks. But it's it's funny. Now we're playing a game, Ashes Reborn, where you yeah. do fix your opening yeah. hand. Yeah. It's, it's very fun. It's a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Very very cool game. Um, yeah. But anyway, 
that that was a story. Um, yeah, that's and and I and it was funny though. Uh, another guy there playing commander, he pulled out a Maldrotha list. It was the same list that I had first built because he got it off of Mitch at the commander's quarters. It was a budget Maldrotha list. I'm like, hey, I know what deck you're playing. <laughs> card for card. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> card for card. Um, and that was the first time he had played commander. Yeah. So it was fun, like, trying to show him how to play Maldrotha and yeah. then how to play magic, uh, how to play commander as well. Yeah. So it was very cool because I'm like, I'm telling you, okay, here's what you need to do. This is what this card does. This is what that card does. Sharing sharing an experience with somebody else yeah. who's starting the same way that I did, mm -hmm. it's very cool. And then seeing them have fun as well. So yeah. it's very so we 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 shared our uh, Moldrotha commander mm -hmm. <laughs> experience. So that was very cool. But Moldrotha and so I ended up taking that first list that I built and then like just really turning it into like a control Moldrotha essentially. Yeah. So we've had a lot of comments recently about people asking you. Why don't you play Coma in your Moldrotha list? Okay, when he says we've had comments, he means him. <laughs> he literally asked me that before we started, and I'm like, so what I said, what I said was, it doesn't go with a theme. It doesn't go with with a deck. And what did you say, Jim? I'm like, Dan, it's literally good stuff, <laughs> which it is. It's value. It's, it is straight up value. But when the, the time I built the deck, Coma wasn't even a thing. Coma yeah, wasn't yeah. around. Right. So then I built a, a Coma list that was completely yeah. separate. Uh, so, yeah, it's for Commander, it's like I build, I built decks around an idea and a theme, really. So I don't know. Depending on the theme, what I what I like, Coma would be put in as like a win con, I guess. Yeah, is is, is how is how that would be. But that would be sick though, playing it from the graveyard. <laughs> be like, I got rid of it, and you're like, did you though? Did you though? Did but you? did you? <laughs> did you though? <laughs> yeah. So all right, well that that's some old growth of the grave tide. Um, yeah, I, I I could go on and on talking about Muldrotha. My favorite, honestly, not gonna lie, my favorite thing about Muldrotha is the artwork. Yeah. Um. They did a really good job. Um, I and that's honestly that's a whole other topic that we could talk about is just artwork in card games. Um, I feel like artwork in card games is it's like 50 percent the game, fifty percent the artwork, <laughs> and then like where that line is like shifts. Is it some some it's, sometimes it's like it's more the artwork. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the way magic is now is the art is overtaking the card game, but it's still an amazing card game. Mm. It's it's crazy. So yeah, it's, it's actually the reason I got into Vanguard. I was just really? walking by. I'm like, "What are these cards? They looked amazing." Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, all right, cool." And yeah. the dude sat down with me and played a game. And then I was hooked, dude. Now, and that's what LGSs no need to do. And if you don't do it, you should. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even a, a worker. Oh it was yeah. Just some random dude. Really? Yeah. And you know what? That's one of the great things about these LGS communities. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time what what uh, was going to grapple. I think I was looking at a game and I'm like, man, what is this? I think it was Jeremy. I think Jeremy was there, and because it was Boss Monster, I'm like, mm. what is this game? So Jeremy oh, was there if it was playing Boss Monster. I think it might have been Brady. No, it wasn't. Oh, wasn't oh it? wait, no, it was like, Brady. Okay, because Brady, was Brady. Just talked about the That's game right. to so many people. It was Brady. He was <laughs> he Brady would, was there playing me. a pod. He would help me while I was working, and someone wanted to know about boss monsters. I'm like, 
I don't really know a whole lot about this. And Brady just like steps up. He's like, this. Let me tell you about it. (laughs) (laughs) It was Brady. Yeah. yeah. Because I think one of the times I was there, Jeremy, Jeremy was there. um, And then he was telling me about some other game. And then one of the times it was Brady. Because this was the first time that I was really Mm -hmm. going into grapple. Um, But yeah, I think it was Brady was telling me about Boss Monster. That's funny. (laughs) So Brady... You the man, which he is. If you know Brady, you know him right because Brady's <laughs> awesome. So, all right. Well, all right. I, we've gone. We've gone. Wow, we've gone on for a long time, but that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. Good stories, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Again, let us know what you guys think. Very interested to know. Um, and also, do you like Muldrotha? If you play Magic, do you like Soltai? What cards do you use to hate on Muldrotha? Let us know. Yeah. Uh, DM me. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically any graveyard hate. Bajuka Bog, the Muldrotha player. Yeah, that's true. Just keep true. bouncing your Bajuka yeah. Bog. <laughs> yep. Yep. So all right. Well, um, Jim, where can people find you on the inter- interwebs? <laughs> yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Jim Morgan H N H. You can find me on Twitter at underscore DG Campbell, Instagram at Daniel.g.campbell. Head over to our website, www.hobbiesandhappiness.com. And you'll find all of our social links there. Um, Yeah. Well, we're going to get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Great episode. Catch you in the next one. See ya. Take care.